At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Amen. With that being said, I want to go back into our series today. We've been in a series called Overflow. Uh, if you've been with us, this is a series about generosity, but not generosity in a way that we typically think of it, uh, just simply narrowly thinking about it maybe in giving of your tithes or your offerings to the church. It's a part of it, but it's more about living an open-handed life. It's about being able to see uh, God using you to bring about the meeting of needs in the lives of others and to experience a full overflowing joy that comes with obedience to Jesus. You know, uh, this week, again, as I was thinking about what's most important, you know, what the Lord continued to remind me of is that what's most important is our ability to minister to people on his behalf. Now, when I say the word ministry, what do you think of? For many people, far too many of us, when we hear the word ministry, we think of people like myself, pastors or maybe missionaries or, or people who are in official clergy offices. You think about maybe somebody opening up a Bible and preaching the word. And while all of this is appropriate, that's not the full definition of ministry. What we're going to discover today is that ministry happens in, in many, many ways. And one of the greatest ways ministry happens is through our generosity. How many have ever seen God change someone's uh, outlook upon a particular moment or situation because of an act of generosity? How many have seen your own life change and encouraged because of an act of generosity? Well, all of us should raise our hands because it was an act of generosity that purchased our salvation. For God so loved the world that he for God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his only begotten son. And if our God is generous and we've been made in his image, then that means that you and I ought to be what? Generous. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we continue this interesting saga, this story that we've been following in this ancient letter written by the Apostle Paul. Paul writes to a historic city, Corinth, a church that's there, a burgeoning church, a flourishing church. You see, Corinth was a port city. It was a celebrated city. It was a wealthy city, a city of much culture and much industry. And they, as a part of the body of Christ, had heard, along with other churches throughout the, um, the, the region, had heard about the needs of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They had made a pledge or a promise that they wanted to help to offset the financial challenges that the Jerusalem church was facing. You know, this has always been a part of the way the body of Christ has functioned. It's a part of God's overwhelming economy that we don't depend upon government programs to rescue the church. I'm going to say that again. We don't depend upon government programs to rescue the church. How many thank God that we look to the Lord? Amen. And, and that we support one another 
uh, in generous ways. We support one another using the wisdom that God has given us to be able to care for one another through our generosity. Well, with that being said, what's interesting about this current moment in Corinth is they had made a pledge, but they had not yet fulfilled it. And so all that Paul is writing about is not so much to encourage them towards generosity, because they knew that already, but to fulfill their promise to act generously because he wants them to excel in the grace of giving. How many want to excel in the grace of giving? How many want to excel in every act of obedience that God has called you to? I hope that that's your desire. And if it is, then there's certain things you're going to have to know. Paul gives three steps to excelling in the grace of giving. And he reminds us through these three steps that giving is more than money. It's ministry. When you give, you are participating in the ministry of the gospel spreading among the saints and among his people and by extension to the world. Let's look at verses one and two, and then we're going to go ultimately through verse number seven. Verses one and two gives us this first principle. If we're going to excel, we got to commit to give, commit to give. Look at verses one and two. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Let me stop right there. I love these two verses. Paul commends them for their commitment to give. You know, any act of obedience starts first, with the heart. It starts with a commitment that says, yes, Lord, I will obey you. Even worship this morning when we gathered together would have never happened if you had not purposed in your heart that you were going to obey the Lord. Paul starts this, uh, this particular chapter by saying something interesting. He says, it's superfluous for me to write to you about this. It's redundant in many ways. It's unnecessary for me to write to you about the ministry to the saints. And why is it superfluous? Why is it unnecessary? Why is it so redundant? Because he had already, in the first letter he had wrote to the Corinthians, in this letter he had written to the Corinthians, he had already been encouraging them and training them and teaching them about the ministry of giving. In other words, they already knew what to do. It wasn't a knowledge problem. Sometimes our lack of obedience purely boils down to ignorance. We just have not been taught what is true. And it's easy to think that uh, this country, this nation, which has been so blessed to have such open access to the gospel that everybody already knows everything about the Bible. You know, I host a radio program, as many of you know, and I'm reminded every week of the fact that that is not true. A few weeks ago, I was doing a broadcast on human sexuality, and I was teaching what the Bible uh, teaches about the way God has designed us as male and female, the covenant of marriage, the sacredness of our sexuality. And in the midst of it, I had a lady call me, a young lady, call me and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a young adult. I was raised in a family that I would mark as, as hippies, her word, not, mar, not mine. And uh, she says, you know, we didn't really have a Bible around. We weren't hostile to Christianity. But this is the first time that I'm hearing what you're saying about sexuality. And what my parents seem to taught me is different than what I hear you saying. Can you please explain? 
And here I am smiling. That's every preacher's greatest request, greatest opportunity. Can you please explain? And, uh, and we did. We had a wonderful conversation. But it was a reminder to me that not everyone has knowledge of what the Bible teaches. But this wasn't true for the Corinthians. They knew what God's will was. And this isn't true for many of us. How many know that God has called us to be a generous people? How many believe that in your heart of hearts? Paul is doing something different. He is urging them and encouraging them to live up to their full potential. You know, just like a great athlete has to be pushed to excel above his peers because, or above her peers because of their potential, so it is when it comes to obedience to Christ. You know, Woodside has been a generous church, so grateful for the generosity of our church to be able to uh, fund the expansion of the gospel through 14 campuses. Hopefully by annual meeting, we'll add a 15th campus through online ministry to tens of thousands of people, through global partners. I praise God for that. But just like that athlete who has the ability uh, that is beyond their peers, I think because of our potential, God has allowed us to be able to visit this passage of Scripture to encourage us to deepen our commitment. Again, no act of obedience happens until there's commitment in the heart. Paul says, it's unnecessary for me to write to you. But then in verse number two, he tells them why he writes to them. For I know your readiness. He knows they've already purposed in their heart, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. There it is, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Here's what Paul says. Here's why I am writing you so that I can remind you that I've been bragging on you. And this is an interesting uh, uh, text if you remember chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. You see, in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Paul tells the, the church at Corinth, this prosperous church, he brags about the Macedonians. And if you remember, Macedonia was an impoverished church church. They didn't have much, but he bragged on them in, er, in order to spur on generosity in Corinth. Well, now he's saying that he did the opposite in Macedonia. He bragged about Corinth to the Macedonians. This is a technique of Paul to celebrate the obedience of one church among the, uh, another group of believers to spur them on. And this is the way that obedience works, that my obedience should spur on your obedience, and your obedience should spur on my obedience. Obedience should be contagious. And in this context, generosity should be contagious. That's what Paul is desiring. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, how many have heard about our, our new uh, church planning initiative in India? How many have heard about that? We talked about it over Christmas time extensively that we've committed $300,000 in partnership with a group called the Timothy Initiative to help to plant hundreds of churches in India. I hope you're praying for that. Many of you have already supported that, and I want to say thank you. But what you may not know or realize is that when other churches heard about our our commitment to that initiative in this region, they begin to connect with us. It started as a vision of our global uh, outreach pastor, Pastor uh, Don Anderson, vision in his heart, and it's just expanded. And now six churches in this region have all come together and our 300,000 has been matched and matched again 
to a total of $1 million invested in India for church planting. How many thank God for that? You see how one act of obedience becomes contagious and it begins to spread? I've seen it over and over again. And this is the way the gospel is expanded and funded. And I pray that God would lay it on your heart to be obedient and to celebrate your obedience among others so that they might be encouraged to be obedient as well. So the first is that we got to commit to give. But secondly, what good is commitment if we're not prepared? We got to prepare to give. Look at verses three and four. It says, but I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. Paul is, uh, is, is doing all that he can to challenge his church. And here's what he said. He says, listen, I told the, the Macedonians a, a year ago that you had made this commitment, but he knows that they're not ready. As a matter of fact, we read last week that Paul had already sent a group ahead to find out if they were ready. Why? Because representatives from the Macedonian church were gonna be traveling with them as a matter of accountability to be able to receive this group from the church at Corinth, this gift rather, from the church at Corinth. And what he didn't wanna do is to show up after celebrating their love for Jesus, their commitment to the brothers, their, their, their purposing of heart to give this gift and for them not to be ready, for them not to be actively obedient. And so he says to them, prepare. Prepare so that you won't be humiliated. You know, in another portion of scripture, Jesus talks about the man who prepares to build a tower but does not complete it. It's a humiliating thing to start a project and not finish it. Or the one who gets ready to go to war but miscalculates and doesn't properly prepare. Defeat lies ahead. Well, for the believer, when we commit to something and we don't do the proper preparations to fulfill it, it's an embarrassing thing when it doesn't come to pass. Think about what I announced earlier about our expansion at Romeo. What a great thing it is. What an awesome thing it is to be able to say to you, we completed the job. We finished the job. We're gonna be doing our grand opening next week. How many think that is a great testimony? Wouldn't it have been sad to be able to say, hey, I know we talked about this a couple years ago and we've been announcing it, but we're not done and we probably won't be prepared because we didn't do the proper planning for it. That would have been a totally opposite uh, announcement. Instead of joy, there would have been humiliation. And so it is with our lives. So many believers want to be generous. I believe that there is an overwhelming desire to be generous. When we talk about the needs of our brothers and sisters in India and around the globe, when we talk about opportunities for ministry locally, when we talk about creative ways we can be a blessing, I believe there are many believers that want to give, but very few that are actually prepared. And so let me just talk about something we don't like talking about at the risk of offending everybody, and that is budgeting. Budgeting is not a fun conversation, is it? Uh, we don't really uh, uh, typically like to have that budgeting conversation. It ranks right up there with going to the dentist, which you should do both. Uh, but around my house, we have to have those conversations at time 
Uh, and again, because we want to make sure we're properly planning for the future, for big goals. We want to be able to send our kids to college one day. We want to make sure we're planning for the future so that after we're older, we'll be able to uh, make sure we have provision. We, we want to make sure that we are properly prepared for what lies ahead. How many want to be properly prepared? For the future. How many have put together plans for that? Well, so it is in our generosity. Generosity shouldn't just be spontaneous. It should be planned. After we commit in our heart that, yes, Lord, I want to not only do what I've done in the past, but I want to go higher. I want to give more. I want to be even more generous. Then we need to put a plan in place for that to happen. You know, I was thinking about C.S. Lewis. He said a a very interesting thing. He says, I fear that the amount a person should give cannot be settled. So the only way for us to proceed is to give more than we feel comfortable giving. C.S. Lewis was reminding us that sacrificial giving is the goal of the Christian life because we serve a God who gave sacrificially his son on that cross. But if we're going to do it, it has to be matched with the preparation that allows us to be able to fulfill it. Finally, he says this word about cheerfulness, that if we're gonna excel in giving, has to take commitment, has to take preparation, and then it takes cheerfulness. Let's read on in verse number five. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an extraction, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? God loves a what? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is one who's made a a creative commitment in their heart. They've prayed about this and they've said, Lord, how do I use my talent, my time, my treasure to be able to honor you? A cheerful giver is one who understands that it all is his, that it comes from him to us for all. A cheerful giver is one who recognizes that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. A cheerful giver is one who recognizes that we've all been created in the image of God, but some, because of sin, have lost that image. That image has been marred in their lives, but yet Christ has come to restore that fully in our lives. And we have the joy of introducing people to the life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ through creative means of generosity. And I just want to say thank you for those of you who have lived this type of way. But I also want to encourage you to to continue to think of creative ways that we can express our generosity. You know, uh, Woodside is doing this. Our members are doing this across all of our campuses. And I want to show you one video. It's a simple video to illustrate this point. It's about a young man named Scott who's uh, at one of our campuses, who's been using all of his creativity to live a generous life, and it's been changing people around our region. After we watch this video, we're going to stand together and we're going to worship God again as we pledge our obedience to the Lord. Check out Scott's story. Hi, my name is Scott Shibley. I'm 23 years old. I grew up in a Christian home 
and ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be an artist. I went to college at the Cleveland Institute of Art. I went there to study automotive design. And when I was in college, uh, I was really career focused and kind of fell out of my faith a bit and really focused on trying to find a job um, in this career field of being an artist. And I also loved painting as well, but didn't know how I wanted to use that gift. Um, after college, I moved here uh, to Detroit to start a career as an automotive designer. Um, and I also started going to Woodside at the same time. And during that time, I uh, really was able to reconnect with God and reaffirm uh, my faith in Him. I really felt like God was calling me to something more than just my nine to five job. Um, I'm a single guy and I think uh, God was calling me to use my gifts during that season of singleness um, and not just kind of dwell on that. And so I really prayed a lot about what I should do um, and how He wanted to use me. So during that season of prayer, God really started to speak to me, and he was showing me some posts on Instagram, actually, of somebody who went to my school, and he started a ministry out in California called Faces of Santa Ana. And what he does is paints portraits of people experiencing homelessness. He then sells those portraits and then gives the proceeds back to his clients. And I really felt like God was asking me to step into a ministry like this, but I really wasn't sure quite how that was gonna happen or if I was the right person for that. Um, but I decided to give Brian a call and we chatted over Zoom. Um, and he was like, hey, do you want to start a Faces of Detroit? And I was like, uh, sure, I guess so. That's pretty intimidating, but I'd be willing to try a portrait and see how it goes. So actually the very next day, um, I was driving home from church and I saw a man on the side of the road, his, uh, holding up a sign and he was asking for money. And I went up and introduced myself and we started talking and I had mentioned to him about the ministry that I just now agreed to do. And he agreed and thought it was a great idea. So I got his picture and I started working on his portrait. Um, and his name is Manny. So when I finished Manny's portrait, uh, I set up a portrait reveal with him. And so what that is, is basically a time where I can show him really how God sees him. do his portrait reveal and he was super blessed and it was a very emotional moment for both of us. As I was looking back over the footage when I got home, I realized that we were doing this reveal in front of a huge map of Detroit. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. We didn't plan this at all. And so I felt like God was calling me to go back over there and take a picture of the map. And he was speaking to me like, this is where your ministry is going to be on this whole map. Uh, that same moment, somebody came up to me and said, hey, I'm homeless and I could use some food. And I was like, okay, that's kind of freaky. Like, God, is this like some, another person? So I introduced myself to him and we started talking and his name's Kevin and he was my second portrait. And so at this point, I've now done six portraits, working on seven, and I've sold two already. So once a portrait is sold, I work with the client to uh, figure out what they need and how they want to spend their funds. So I actually help them steward their money in a way that's beneficial to them. Uh, many people have reached out to me expressing how this has blessed them and really changed their perspective on the homeless community. And I feel so thankful um, just that God has 
blessed me with this gifting to create um, and to bless others in our community. God gives us each a gift for a reason. Um, and I believe that if we just take a step of faith and reach out, that he's going to use that in ways that we couldn't even imagine. So proud of, of Scott. Later today, he and I are going to be meeting uh, so that we can line up the purchase of the next portrait that he's done. We give Woodside because we want to extend the grace to others that has transformed our lives, grace we have received. So today, as we prepare to close in worship, I just want to remind you that God extends that grace to all, and he wants us to be a conduit of his love to others. And so if you have not yet given your life to Jesus, surrendered your heart to him, I pray that you would do that today, whether you're in the building in the worship center or if you're watching us online. And praise God, the uh, internet is back up, so we're back online. So thank you for praying for that. But wherever you find us today, we want you to know the grace of God so that you can be changed and help to bring God's love to others. Can we please stand all over this church as Pastor Lee and our worship team leads us in worship. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.